Hi, I'm Callum Cameron, and you are listening to Gut Talks, double G, U, double T. And you also work with um, Accelerate Estonia. Yeah. Can you explain what this is about? What the hell is this? It's not an accelerator, right? It's unfortunate with the name there. That that's what a lot of people think. Yeah. Um, so it actually takes a similar concept that it's more about how can we collaborate on solutions between high growth companies and the, the government in this case, as opposed to corporates. But the, the idea of Accelerate Estonia is we believe that there are exceptional entrepreneurs all around the world working on who have high impact solutions to some of the world's biggest problems, or they can create some of the biggest opportunities out there. But there are systemic barriers. Yeah, it might be illegal. Uh, or there might be regulatory problems, or it could be monopoly industry power that are preventing them from getting out there. So what Accelerate Estonia does, it takes advantage of the agile Estonian government. And actually, just to be clear, the program is the government's national innovation lab. So half our team actually sit inside the Ministry for Economics, and half of us are on the, the private sector side. So we work with the regulators, the ministers, ultimately the government cabinet to make changes here in Estonia that actually allow these amazing solutions, moonshots, as they're called, to initially demonstrate at country scale what they do here in Estonia. And to get them to that, we then connect them up with the Estonian ecosystem as well on the private sector side. So we actually can do like country scale launches uh, and demonstrations of different solutions. And those will not only demonstrate their solution, but also demonstrate to particularly to the rest of Europe, the regulatory changes or the legal changes and so forth that are needed to make these things possible. And now once you've seen that they're possible, so for example, in Germany or Spain or in Italy or wherever, particularly within Europe, you can say, okay, well, okay, this is how Estonia's made this possible. And actually, this looks like an, an attractive solution that we'd want to take on. Those companies can now go into, with our support as well, go into the other countries and start scaling inside there. So this way, we have this wonderful mix of genuinely world-changing solutions that now actually get some sort of momentum. And because we get to... We take the risk here in Estonia and we work out how to make them possible. It actually generates an economic opportunity from Estonia as it creates a new market from here for exports and the likes. I guess in Estonia, because the mindset is geared towards, you know, constant innovation and improvement, it, I guess it's now in the DNA of at least the this generation and the younger generation. It's also small, like 1.5 million, right? Not uh, even that many, 1.3. 1.3 something, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But every single one counts when you get to that level. Yes, yes. And, but it's also like the highest number of startups per capita. So, and it's growing. It's small enough, but I think big enough to test. But if you want to export models and adapt, obviously, because things change in, in bigger countries where let's talk about the government side of things where it's, you know, you have lots of paperwork, it's manual, uh, the systems are not connected. They don't talk to each other, as in Estonia, is you don't even need to press a button. Some things just happen automatically, right? How can this happen? How easy or hard is this to implement? And how long does it take? If you have an example, maybe that would be easier, but I, I don't know the way you will just... Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, it's it's super hard. As you'll see many countries around the world, and the, the UK is Germany, is Australia, is US, whatever, they've been trying to do this and they're, they're nowhere near. I think the only country that is sort of close to Estonia's level of digitalization is Singapore. And they have a very different model, which is very interesting as well, because obviously as you digitalize society, it's your society still. So it actually your digitalization needs to reflect those sort of social structures that you've got in place. 
So in Estonia, the digitalization is actually, well, it's built up on data, obviously, and, and moving data around. So that data is actually decentralized and distributed. So one of the most important principles in the Estonian um, e-society is the once-only principle in that as a, a citizen, I should only have to provide my information or data once to a government entity. And I, I should only ever, if I update it, I only have to update it once. I don't have to be the data interoperability layer between the different agencies, right? It's all there. But the only way that can work reliably is if there is a single source of truth for that data about me. And the way that's done here in Estonia is that each ministry, department, agency, they have very specific data that they are responsible for. Only the data that they genuinely, uniquely need are the ones that they're responsible for. And then any other data has to, by law, be made available by the other agencies to them. And they have to make that data they have available to the other agencies as well. So this way, there's a single source of truth. The data is always fresh and it's distributed as well, which means it's very difficult to disrupt this society. Singapore has taken the, and then, sorry, that again reflects a sort of a, a liberal democratic state in that there's no one agency, person, office who can actually control everything that's going on. Singapore obviously is a more sort of centralized authority. And so they tend to centralize all of their data structures and solutions as well under sort of uh, uh, the central government entities. And so very, very different systems. They both work, but it means that when you have other countries, so going back to your question, when you go have other countries who are trying to work out their journeys to digitalize their societies, they really have to think early about what model their society is actually used to and needs to be built up on from then from there. You'll see Australia and um, UK and most other countries, Germany, have really struggled with convincing their society, their citizens of the need for a digital identity. But a digital identity is essential for a working digital society because you need to be able to present yourself as you at any particular point in society or any particular sort of touch point in there. And they can't do that because they don't have the, what do they call it? The social license from society to, to actually have that sort of level of control. I'm not sure that Estonia could actually do that, implement that now either. The digital identity was introduced into Estonia at a time when actually there was no use for it. There was no use need or anything like this. They were changing from big paper-based old Soviet uh, identity papers to a single card, identity card that could be held in your in a purse, in a wallet. And the idea came about again because of the connectivity between the, the different Estonian players who just happened to be in the same room at the same time. So we'll, we're also working on the concept of a digital identity. Why don't we embed that into the card straight away? And so that's what happened, but there weren't any solutions that actually used it or needed it at the time. And it then took a number of years. And by that, I think we're probably talking about seven, eight years after it was implemented before it actually became genuinely useful. And that's the same with the X-Road, which is the data interoperability solution between all the government agencies. It really took about seven years before that took off as well. And it was a long, hard slog for the guys who were pushing it. Now it's all there. We just can't imagine a different way of doing things in there, but it, it is very difficult. And most of the challenges are not, people assume they're technological. Actually, the technical side of it is the easiest part with all of this. It's the, uh, the legal. Most of the innovations in Australia have actually been legal and organizational. Can you imagine those conversations going into different ministries and saying, oh, by the way, you can't have any of that data anymore. Oh, this is the other point. That no, you're not allowed to have copies of data that you don't need. And so if, for example, the, I don't know, the Tax and Customs Board needs data from the population register, like my address or something like this, they're not allowed to keep a copy of it. 
they have to re- they have to get that fresh each time in there, which again keeps the the data fresh. But then you have those conversations where they would have been told, okay, by the way, you can't have this data anymore. You have to share what data you do have. So you're not allowed to build up these power structures around your data. You'll see a lot of countries who are going through this process at the moment, particularly in the Middle East. There are massive battles going on within the government public sector structures for ownership of the data, in particular, the the population registers, identity data and stuff like this. And most times it's the Ministry of Interior who ends up getting control one way or another with all of this. The hardest part of that journey, I think, is actually convincing everybody to relinquish control and also convincing the population that there's not this new super level of control that's going to be established over them. It starts with the gut. It ends with the gut. It's in your gut. Gut Talks. This is the end of this episode with Callum Cameron. Thanks for listening and watch out for the next one. 